listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode 165. I'm your host, Andres Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Jana Levin and Pontus Bukwan. Sziasztok! Hmm, Hey, san, hey, san. Okay, uh, how are you guys? Very well, very well. How are you? Oh, not bad. I still don't know if I had dengue. Ah. Because ah. it's not it's not easy to get an appointment with uh, the infectologist. So yeah, or, or even a proper homeopath. Yeah. A proper what? Homeopath. Oh, yeah, good idea. Good idea. <laughs> you know what? You know what? I could do that. I could do that because in India there there was recently published a freaking a paper about homeopaths and homeopathy being applied to the symptoms of dengue fever. For fuck's so sake. the the good thing is that if if it works, it doesn't matter whether it was really dengue because all that matters is the symptoms because like cures like. So it was very very similar to dengue. So if it wasn't dengue, the same symptoms should be cured with the same stuff. Ah, good point. So yeah, this is um, Edward Ernst uh, wrote about this uh, on his blog. This is how I came across it. So uh, yeah, it's a little bit of a dodgy piece of research. And it was <laughs> obviously published on the journal Homeopathy. So whatever. Any other? Y- yeah, I don't know if you guys are aware of Ukrainian presidential elections. Oh yeah. But that's um proven to be quite a circus. Um in uh, <laughs> uh literally. <laughs> so uh, the runner-ups are now a current president who is extremely corrupt or a clown. Well, he is a stand-up comedian actor who coincidentally also plays a president in uh, in a show where he is acting. Ah. Uh, he's playing the uh, protagonist who is just a, like a, just one of us, the normal guy, blah, 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 not very whatever. And by accident, right. he becomes a right. uh, uh, president or what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he gets the uh, opportunity to become a president in the show. Okay. Um, now, <laughs> there's several arguments to be made how the show is not like a real life. Um, so the, um, but apparently it's not the case. I mean, look at the results. <laughs> those are preliminary results, right? So it's just yes. the first round. This is the first round. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they're facing standoff on 21st of April. So watch the space. But what I want to say about the uh, comedian guy is that he's been supported by and I'm assuming funded by one of the biggest oligarchs in Ukraine. Oh, surprise, surprise. Some big corrupt money behind the guy who never really meant to become anything. I don't know. Um, He's appealing to a lot of regular Ukrainians uh, for whom this is the middle finger to establishment. And this choice might be made. Um, just to piss the establishment off, uh, I wouldn't blame them. I mean, it's not going to be the best solution because actually he hasn't got, he doesn't stand for anything. He's just yeah. a funny guy that, who happened, that people know from the TV. Yeah, he who happens have any to play, play a president on TV yeah. and that might be confusing people, right? Yeah, he doesn't have any policies. He doesn't have any clear agenda. He doesn't have any clear vision. He's yeah. funny. He's likable. And people think they're tired of the president. Obviously, he's, the current president is, is very corrupt. They're tired of this whole system. And they're just going to, you know, decide on this comedian guy as a, as a bit of a middle finger. Not a very particularly mature decision to make. Yeah. But we have, but we have seen it done before, haven't we, guys? Yeah. Uh, mm, worked well in with, the US. With Mr. Huh? T over there. It's, yeah, but, you, know. you know what? Talking about the US, I do believe that I would behave very similarly to how the, the, the voters in Ukraine behave. One of my favorite ever series was the West Wing. West, West Wing. Wing. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I can tell you, had Martin Sheen run for president at any point i would have voted for him 
Oh, because boy. he portrayed such a lovable, such a likable character as a, as a president. So, um, but he didn't write the script. Man. Yeah, it was yeah, it was a brilliant a team of writers yeah. led by yeah. the absolutely brilliant Aaron Sorkin. But uh, getting back to the Ukrainian elections, what really is painful to me is to see Yulia Tymoshenko on third place. And uh, mm-hmm. as far as I understand. That means that she's she's basically out. Yeah, she's so yeah. The, in yeah. the next round, she's yeah. not going to be yeah. running. Yeah, she's she's that person who's who's always stood up against corruption in politics, and she was she was in prison for that, for God's sake. And look at how much people care about that. <laughs> mm. Not much, but then apparently in in Ukraine. People don't care too much about uh, things like a vaccination either. No, no, it's... Who knows, we might end up talking about this again on this show. <laughs> well, look, we've, we've only got like a couple of weeks to go now, so we'll, we'll, we'll definitely come back to it. If a comedian stroke actor becomes president, I think it'll be newsworthy wherever you are. <laughs> it's like a next level. By the way, um, uh, now that we're discussing politics, I just uh, came across a paper on uh, the European Public Health Alliance w- uh, website. And now that European parliamentary elections are coming up, it's an important question whether how much health makes an, an important part of it, the political debates. And uh, a Eurobarometer survey showed that 70% of European citizens wanted more action on health. Now, my worry is I don't think it's necessarily coupled with critical thinking about, well, health services. We can see that there are countries where uh, the health services are funded in a way that even things like homeopathy get funding. And uh, it's, it's just not right. So the debate has to be elevated. And uh, they they make a very important uh, and interesting list of claims and how much different political uh, forces deal with this issue. It turns out, interestingly, that based on their collection, their compilation of uh, the political parties' actual agendas, it seems to be the Conservatives who are mostly engaged in these debates. So it's totally unexpected uh, but i do know for a fact that when it comes to the alliance of liberals and democrats for europe their manifesto only includes safeguarding sexual and rep- reproductive health and rights but i know for a fact that oh. for example the the member of that alliance from hungary which is momentum that that is the party that i was once a candidate for um, when i was running for for a seat in parliament we have a very detailed healthcare plan in terms of what we would do and what we would like to do. And uh, it includes, for example, excluding homeopathy and everything that is not science-based. So um, I think this list of uh, agendas and uh, things that uh, the different uh, political forces stand for, I don't think it's complete so be on the lookout for your local representatives from those bodies, uh, party families. Actually, we have a good example of how you can influence the policies. Um, and uh, we have... Oh, that's good. We need that. Yes, of course. <laughs> yeah. So Diana has recently got in touch with, with us from the Comtept organization, which is the Portuguese skeptics, uh, to tell us about manifesto for scientifically based healthcare. This is the uh, manifesto that has been sent to government officials Mm -hmm. in Portugal and has been signed by several hundred people, all professional, well, I'm saying all, they they range from uh, being entrepreneurs to professors to doctors to pharmacists, etc. But now, Everybody can sign it. So you, we will link it to, to the manifesto in our show notes. If you live in Portugal and you listen to our show, <laughs> please go ahead and sign this, this uh, manifesto so that this good effort can be sort of furthered and uh, the, it can reach the, um, the people that it, it's supposed to reach. So mm-hmm. uh, Good, good. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. 
So, so that, that that's that's good news. So, what 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 else what else is new? Well, I, I've been uh, debating and battling with the Anthroposophs in the local in a local newspaper here in Sweden oh, because they're so well because they're so uh, devastated by the tragedy that uh, the Vidar Clinic is closing, the Anthroposophic mm-hmm. uh, Hospital that we've talked about, and they are. They keep sending opinions to the local newspaper about what a tragedy this is and especially pointing to us, the Swedish skeptics. We are now taking away the choice of the patients and we are making uh, the world a, a worse place and we don't understand. And uh, no, we don't understand, oh. <laughs> to be honest. Uh, but it, it's rather frustrating. I've sent a couple of opinions back and they've been published in the paper, but they, of course... I do it not to convince them, but to make sure that people who read this understand that there is an, a, another side of this that the anthroposophs are not telling them. You know, they, they talk about that we only talk about clinical trials, they say, and we ignore that if you have a proven experience and if we respect the p- patient's choice, you have to go for that as well. And and that is important. I have proven experience, patient choice, that's important. But unless you have clinical trials that show that it actually works, then it doesn't matter what the patient wants, really. Because if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And we should not spend public money on it. If you want to spend your your own money on it, fine. But we should not fund that. I, anyway, I agree so completely. getting on my soapbox. But, but it's been what I've been doing for the last uh, week, I think spending much too much time debating the anthroposophs no i think it's a, it's a very important thing to do so you're a total hero okay um there are there are a couple of other good news as well so like like uh, for example i do like going back to politics just a little bit zusana kaputova in slovakia do you know about her yeah she basically beat the the very high profile politician who has a lot of experience Kaputova has no experience. She made this debate and this whole campaign about good and evil. So it's a struggle between good and evil. And uh, I think when it comes to to corruption, it can be as simple as that. Um, Hmm. So we should not be tolerating corruption at all. So I'm very optimistic about that. There are other things that we are not optimistic about. Like, for example, we still have no idea what's going to happen to the UK. Uh, with regards to the EU. <laughs> so, good luck, everyone. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. But we, us skeptics, we are doing our best to serve our listeners, our followers, because we want to make a change and we don't care about politicians. So this is why we are holding conferences, we are holding conventions, we are attending them, and uh, we try to bring, bring people together I have to say, and I keep telling this to my friends as well, that, oh my God, those events are so uplifting because of all the great, the good vibe. Uh, so if I, if I may use that um, slightly esoteric expression. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but I love that. I love that. I love those people. I love, love the way those people's minds work. And I love those events. So uh, one of those events that are up, uh, coming up is SkepCon. SkepCon is German. So and the European Skeptics Congress, which is which is going to be held in Ghent uh, later this year, towards the end of the summer. Uh, I don't think it mu- it needs much explanation. Uh, based on the name, it's going to be held in Ghent. And the one in Chikap, it's uh, the one by uh, the the Italian skeptics. Oh, by the way, Chikap recently celebrated its 30th birthday. That's great. Isn't that great? So on the 31st of March, they celebrated the 30th anniversary of their first event. And I think it's amazing. 30 years. Wow. Yeah. And listeners should remember that we have a raffle ongoing so if you want to win one ticket for the skepcon conference in augsburg you can just send an email to us and we'll put you in the list and then we will draw your name out of a hat or somebody's name out of a hat (laughs) (laughs) but we have already received started to receive some uh, uh, names so uh, please do that and uh, maybe you'll win yeah yeah so get in touch 
Yeah, you can uh, you can get in touch. Oh, well, there's various ways. Uh, so um, you can email us. Email address is info at theesp.eu. You can also follow us on Twitter, uh, and it's espodcast underscore eu. Um, also, if you go onto our website, which is theesp.eu, you can complete a con- contact form there. Of course, Facebook. You can always follow us on there. Great. Uh, I think we should turn our heads towards This Week in Skepticism, presented by Yelena. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, so it wouldn't come as a surprise to you guys to discover that I want to talk about April's Fool's Day. April Fool's Day. At the beginning of April, why would you? Yeah, I mean, right. <laughs> uh, it's it's kind of obvious on the nose, whatever. I don't care. But I, yes, so I've used our regular website, Snopes, uh, to talk about this. And uh, they've pulled out the uh, favorite internet pranks for the past year that were actually hoaxes. But you know what? People believe those. It's really kind of sweet and stupid and funny. Anyways, so I shall mention a couple. Um, I've enjoyed them all. they pretty... <laughs> Funny, uh, as you can imagine. So I guess uh, my f- personal favorite is an online pregnancy test. An online okay. pregnancy test. Check this out. Check this out, guys. It's for women. Oh, yes, for women. I, I wouldn't have thought <laughs> so far. So far, it makes sense. I've never heard yeah, of a pregnancy listen test. Listen up. If men. it was for men, it would have been even better, wouldn't it? Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, the little article goes like this. As a general l- rule, you should never put urine on your computer screen. <laughs> could not agree more <laughs> yeah i mean don't don't pee on you your computer literally. yeah but anyways so apparently um there was a website called ovulationcalculators.com and um, they played a urine themed prank on their readers one when they unveiled a new online pregnancy test so they asked a couple of simple questions and uh, like an age and whatever and then they've asked <laughs> They've asked readers to place a few drops of urine on their screen to test if they were pregnant. <laughs> I'm sorry, this is... I can't believe people actually... Oh, my God. I just... It's funny. Like, like that's what I call a good... Well, I'm sure some people got upset. But anyways. But again, so apparently it didn't matter how much urine you placed on the screen. Uh, the result from this pregnancy test <laughs> was unreliable. Surprise, fucking surprise. (laughs) Anyways, apparently this ovulation calculators.com eventually revealed that it was a prank and people should not take it seriously. I mean, if you believe that that was the real thing, I don't, you should probably not be procreating that much. But anyways. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, another, (laughs) another prank that I kind of liked was the McDonald's glow in a dark burger. They've announced, um, (laughs) That, <laughs> and that was actually India's Facebook page where, where they announced this. Uh, the Juicy Jape Burger. And then, and, and then they, and they claim that it's a glow in a dark burger. It's coming out soon. And it le- really looked pretty horrendous. It's, it's green. It's green with a very bright sort of burgundy putty in the middle. And it glows. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> Do you guys know what Burning Man is? Burning Man Festival in America? Uh, no. I've heard ah, it, but okay, I, I, well, I can't This kind of will be lost on you, but uh, there was a, a rumor or a prank to say that Google bought Burning Man Festival. But that's kind of more for myself. I've, I'm following Burning Man. Ah, another one, uh, probably the last one, I, I will finish off on this one, is the uh, the beer manufacturer, Kingfisher. I've, I've personally tried Kingfisher before, so I know that that beer is pretty popular in England. I'm not sure about other countries, but... It's a, it's a pretty, it's Indian brand. They, uh, have announced that they created an instant, uh, beer. So it's a, it's packaged as a, can you imagine the tea bag? Uh, sort of the, tra- uh, yeah. the recta- rectangular t- t- tea bag back packaging. And, and where, so where they... does the alcohol come from? <laughs> well, so, so. Instant alcohol. That's, that's pretty good. Insta- yeah. Instead of the, uh, instead of the buying the cans and dragging those cans, very heavy cans from the shop, you can buy an instant beer in uh, one of those packages. You dilute it with the water and uh, you, you receive a beer on the other hand. So I'm assuming that the, the, uh, the alcohol is packed in the powder form in that little instant packet. <laughs> powder so alcohol. Okay. Here we bloody go. 
none of it is true. I mean, you know. You think? Um, the, 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 the instant beer would have been fun. You could, you could have just like diluted into your tea yeah. at work or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> to, to make the days go <laughs> faster. Don't we on your computer screen? This is probably the highlight of this, um, segment. Yeah. I think it's, it's definitely <laughs> the most useful advice that you can give anyone. <laughs> Like, if you didn't know that before we mentioned it today, that's, well, that's one thing you should take away. Well, don't take medical advice from us. <laughs> we, maybe, we, maybe it's a good thing. Yeah, it's not, it's not necessarily medical advice, though. It's a, it's a technical... It's, a t- it's, it? it's mostly Pregnancy a technical test. advice. So don't <laughs> be on electronic goods, <laughs> please. Uh, well, what do yeah. we know? I never thought yeah. I'd, I'd ever say that in a sentence, but there you go. But, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> So this is what April Fool's Day is for, right? I know, right? Okay. Did you guys get uh, Did you guys get fooled yesterday? Yes, uh, I did. Oh, did well, by yesterday, oh. by the time this is released, it's not sorry, really but on the first of yeah, April, we are, yeah, we are yeah, recording yeah. on the on the second of April. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. My actually, my sister made a fool out of the whole family. Oh. Uh, because they were planning on um, flying back to Hungary from the UK uh, with the two kids. And it was a very highly anticipated event <laughs> uh, by the whole family. And then in the morning, she says, oh, bugger, our flight was was cancelled. And we totally believed it. And then after about an hour of us whining over the situation, she revealed that, okay, um, happy April Fool's Day, everyone. <laughs> wow. She fooled us all, the whole family. <laughs> Yeah, see, even a skeptic can be fooled. Yeah, exactly. That's what what Randy keeps saying. Uh, Let's move on to our next segment, which is when Pontus finally pokes the Pope again. So we'll take a short uh, Pontus pokes the Pope this time. Francis has finally produced something out of the conference that was held in uh, February. Uh, with uh, the bishops about uh, abuse, etc. So the f- first and, I don't know, maybe only tangible result from, from this is that there is a, now a new law in the Vatican. The law is about uh, abuse. You can't abuse children anymore in the Vatican. And Francis wrote that those convicted of abuse... Anyway. No, you can't Sorry. do that. Well, actually, I don't think you ever could, but it goes a little bit further. Francis made a statement and he said that those who are convicted of abuse against minors or, or uh, vulnerable people should be removed from their responsibility. Well, that's good. But he also said at the same time, they need to be given adequate support for psychological and spiritual rehabilitation also with the goal of social reintegration. So already there he says that, no, you can't do that, but if you do it, we will take care of you and we will make sure that you are reintegrated into your society. So there are a lot of things you can say about this. There's also uh, a provision in the in the law that you must report abuse if you if you become aware of that and that that's a good thing but there's a lot to criticize of this uh, law the first one is that it's only valid in the vatican and they are they almost don't have any children in the vatican anyway but the hope is they say is that it will inspire other dioceses but that's not actually stated officially so they're trying to lead by example, but if they don't have any children in the Vatican, I don't know how much example they said. The other criticism or some of the other criticisms are that there's no zero tolerance. As I said in the quote, he says that they will immediately start to support the perpetrator and make sure that you have a social reintegration, as it's stated. Mm. There is still also a statute of limitations, uh, which is 20 years after reaching adulthood. Well, you could say that that's a long time, but I think that some of these crimes should never be... There should not be a statute of limitations. And And the last thing is that if it is implemented outside the Vatican, which is up to each and local diocese, it's not clear whether you should report known abuses to the Vatican or to the local authorities. 
And that is really important because if you only l report it to the Vatican, you know, we know what happens. They just, you know, they sweep it under the rug. They don't want to publicize it and they try to deal with it. Uh, it should, a good law should say, you really need to go to the local authorities, to the civil authorities outside of the church to report this. So anyway, um, I guess it's, a, it's some sort of a start to do something. I don't think it goes nearly far enough. And I hope that there will be more results from this uh, conference than, than this little law. Yeah, and anyways, a law is just one thing. You, you have to enforce it as well. So yeah. be ready to enforce it. But the big thing, if you want to be play the other card, you know, the big thing is that it's now illegal in the Vatican not to report abuse. And mm -hmm. that I would say, that is good. All right. Thank you very much, Pontus. Thank you. Let's move on to our news items for the week. Well, we always talk about measles when it comes to outbreaks across Europe and indeed the world. But uh, we usually don't really talk about other stuff like mumps. So mumps mm. is, uh, you probably know that, but uh, mumps is a very contagious viral infection that is very mild when it comes to the actual illness and the symptoms include headaches joint pain and a high temperature but it doesn't last very long however it can have serious complications as well including meningitis uh, and a brain damage and the swelling of testicles and ovaries it's something to stay out of if you can and there is a very good way of doing that and it's uh, by applying the MMR vaccine, obviously. Childhood immunization works with uh, two actual jabs. One of them is between the age 12 to 13 months. And a second booster is recommended at three years and four months. And that's uh, based on what the NHS uh, says in the UK. So if you do that... That means that you are basically 95% protected against mumps. So, but you have to remember that MMR was the actual vaccine that, for example, Andrew fucking Wakefield went on and on and on against. So what happened now and uh, why I'm talking about this is because Spanish uh, health officials recently reported a mumps outbreak in Madrid at the mm. Higher Technical School of Engineering of the Pontifical University of Comillas. And um, there are 33 confirmed cases of mumps. Wow. Basically, it means that these people uh, were probably not vaccinating. Uh, the thing is, and the issue with this whole thing is that if they were born after the 1970s or in the 1970s and onwards, they should be vaccinated against mumps with the MMR. And uh, the reinforcement might have been left out. So what the, the authorities recommend these people do is they verify that they have the MMR boosters at place. It's, it's an issue. To, to really keep an eye out for because if there are a large number of people on the campus or, or in a community who are lacking their boosters, they probably don't have the actual immunity. Yeah. So that can result in an outbreak like that. 33 people. I should say I, I have had mumps when I was about mm -hmm. 13 or so. Mm -hmm. I remember that it's quite painful. It was... Uh, yeah. I was in bed for a week, I think, and my the, my throat and my cheeks they swelled up, and I could yeah. had problems eating, and I was pretty miserable. So uh, yeah, I I know I don't recommend it. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember uh, having contracted mumps, but I think I got my MMR vaccine. Uh, but my younger sister, for some reason. She did get it and uh, at some point, and yeah. I remember her being yeah. very miserable, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so I don't think we should uh, expose our children to that. And um, now that we're talking about uh, the vaccinations, I have to mention, I know we're going on and on and on about what's going on in Ukraine, but it's absolutely terrible. Since the beginning of this year, they have 35,000 cases reported in Ukraine. That's absolutely outrageous. And more than half of them is are, are children and there are for out of those 35,000 there are 14 fatalities it's an absolute emergency situation in ukraine it's a crisis we we yeah. have to we have to i i suggest and i'm pretty sure that uh, I, I i do know for a fact that the the who is trying to to coordinate efforts to 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 tackle that issue but I think I think we have to do more because it has to be an internationally led um, uh, campaign. I'm pretty sure about that. So I just I just wanted to mention that um, uh, one one more thing that is uh, my my favorite means to to keep my uh, blood pressure at balance. Mm-hmm. It's uh, vaccineimpact.com, and uh, one of the latest articles on there is. Uh, Titled, No, You Don't Have a Right to Demand That Others Are Vaccinated. What do you Mm. think of that? So they say, the author of this uh, freaking article, Bratin Schaefer, or I don't know how how to pronounce her name. She says, to begin with, nobody has a right to a germ-free environment outside of their own property. So she claims that basically, you're not entitled to claim the right to be germ-free and be safe from all those germs, which is crazy. And she then goes on about measles, how how mild a disease it is, and we shouldn't fear it, and and that that it's it's just a piece of cake, and uh, that herd immunity is uh, absolutely bogus. It's not based on any kind of evidence. And it goes on and on and on about this whole thing. So I just want to draw everyone's attention to this because it's a very popular website. And there are thousands of people sharing these articles online. And we have to be knowledgeable and enough. We have to be aware that these exist out there. Okay, mm. so we have to stop yeah. them or at least try to go uh, keep be Always. a force against them. Yeah, it's always good to know what the other side is saying, but I do think we should put a do not link thing on the on the link that we will share so that it doesn't improve their ratings somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. I know I I will not link that. I you will not share the no, link. No, 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 I'm not going to share the link. Uh, I'm just mentioning this. So, if okay. someone wants to look for it, the title is No, you don't have a right to demand the others are vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. That was my rant. All right. So so let's switch to another subject, climate change and climate change denial. But actually, this is a science news item, but it's so linked to to the climate change denial that we should talk Mm -hmm. about it. The Swedish Meteorological Institute, SMHI, has presented a report that since the late uh, 1800s, the global average temperature has increased by 0.73 degrees centigrade, which is what we all know and what we all expect. However, they say that Sweden has increased by 1.7 degrees. So that's even more than double than uh, the global averages. The numbers used are comparing the averages on 30-year periods. So the new numbers cover a period starting from 1991. So we are at actually very close to the end of that 30-year period right now. But it is 1.7 degrees higher than in the late 1800s. But what I think is interesting and why I want to talk about it, that this fits very well with current models that predict that the warming will be faster, closer to the poles than around the equator. And that's what we're seeing now. And at the same time, a Canadian government uh, report published today, actually, 2nd of April, is pointing out the same thing. They have had in Canada 1.7 degrees warming only since 1948. Um, with an even higher increase in the north of Canada of 2.3 degrees. So this is exactly what we should expect. 
And every denial on the ongoing climate change is just BS because we are predicting what will happen as CO2 increases in the atmosphere. And now we can see that it is indeed happening. So, um, yeah, we, <laughs> we, science was right. And unfortunately, the globe is warming and exactly as we would expect it to. Well, that, this is this is when science does uh, the the job properly. Yeah, sometimes you hate to be right, but exactly. we are right. So, so yeah. please, we need to do something about this. Yeah, uh, don't fly anywhere. Um, <laughs> <laughs> by the way, I'm flying in two weeks. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but oh, I also, am, also I am planning just... to go when I'm when I'm going to attend Chicop Fest. I just mm. made up the plan that mm. I'll be renting an electric car and go by the electric car okay good for you yeah okay <laughs> so so aware aren't you uh anyways um i want to just quickly talk about a uh, drug that was came out of latvia i mean i wish we could <laughs> i wish we could talk about something good that came out of latvia anyway it's a, <laughs> it's a rigver drug that is being advertised as a cure for cancer mm-hmm. And unfortunately, it's been manufactured in Latvia and spread across various European countries and actually around the world. Uh, has no backup, has no uh, rigorous research, uh, has no studies that would confirm the properties of the drug. Basically, it's it's, it's a lot of bullshit. That, that's that's what it is, unfortunately. Yeah. But um, we know someone who has been um, trying to get this drug off the market for several years now. Um, and it's um, Austria Muisnitzer. In fact, we had her on our show uh, some time ago, and um, she is a very strong advocate against the drug. She's been working with several uh, p- people, doctors, uh, organizations to try to to do something and and um, change the direction. But finally, there's some good news. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it is that the Latvian version of the FDA, aka State Agency of Medicine in collaboration with Health Inspectorate, has finally halted the distribution of this anti-cancer drug, Rigver. Anti-cancer in inverted commas, because it's not really. So, it's been a long time coming, uh, but finally people are waking up to the fact that this drug doesn't do anything. By the way, it was extraordinarily expensive. Like in thousands, we, we're thinking about, yeah. uh, we're talking about thousands of uh, dollars for, for, a Porsche, uh, for, for a dose. But it makes it more believable. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I know, right? More and more expensive. profitable yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely more <laughs> profitable. Yeah. But I think what finally happened was that people actually tested this drug independently in lab- laboratories in UK. And uh, after the second uh, testing round, uh, th- they found out there's, there's nothing in the drug. It's basically a bit like <laughs> homeopathy. homeopathy. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I think there are something in it, but it's not what they say it's in it. And, no, and, uh, no, it's... Uh... And also, I remember back when we had Austra on the, on the show, she told us about how it was... It shouldn't really ever have been uh, approved of, but it was sort of grandfathered in as yes. Latvia entered the EU. Yeah. It was somehow very dodgy. It very... became sort of mm. approved. Mm. It's all on the backhand yeah. and somebody was probably paid off yeah. and it was just all like, you know... Yeah. Nothing to see here. Don't look here. We're just yeah. gonna, we're just gonna do it. Yeah. Because it was never properly researched uh, and there was never proper, uh, you know, the, the same, the same that is expected of any sort of working drug, you know, painkiller or whatever. There was never any trials. Uh, well, it didn't follow the, the proper channels before it was. No, no. So good news all around. And I think we're expecting to have, um, Austria on our show, uh, soon because actually there'll be more controversy that coming out of this whole story i think uh people got involved higher people if i'm not mistaken but i don't want to say i don't want to say much more (laughs) i think i'm gonna let austria to tell us about it yeah because it's not it's not really official yet we'll see where it ends up but it looks very dodgy and uh, and uh, there is a scandal that we probably will be able to report on 
in in a week or so uh, or two maybe but we'll bring Astra back to to tell all when it can be told yeah. the whole story yeah and who doesn't like a good scandal about a, a fake <laughs> uh, cancer drug i mean i do so well it's it it's good to have a win for once i think but it's uh, terrible that we have all of these fake cancer cures yeah and, and don't forget po- and don't forget yeah. this this drug has been on the market for years yeah this, yeah, yeah this um this is just yeah it's been a breakthrough now which is great but uh in the meantime a lot there's of a lot of damage done bought into it yeah, yeah 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 i want to talk about a short story from poland and of course it's about about catholic priests but it's uh not about abuse this time so a bit of a change of subject but there is a group of polish catholics and they belong to something called the SMS from Heaven Foundation. They they send out prayers via SMS. I don't know if <laughs> if that's better or worse than any other prayer. But what they did uh, recently was something else. They burned a bunch of Harry Potter books because that was truly evil. They don't like the the uh, the magic in Harry Potter because I don't know if it competes with the magic that they are propagating. But uh, it is unfortunate when people start to do book burning. I don't really uh, condone it. Has a, a sad history. The good news here is that we know that J.K. Rowling, who is of course the the author of the Harry Potter books. She has a sense of humor about uh, this, and this is not the first time she's been accused of of propagating evil. In uh, 2007, on the 31st of January, on Twitter, she replied to someone who said they were going to burn their copies of her books and DVDs. She replied like this, and this is just brilliant. Well, the fumes from the DVDs might be toxic, and I still got your money. So by all means, borrow my lighter. Oh. <laughs> I think that's great. That's really, really great. So, so she's, okay, I've already sold this. I've got your money. Yeah. And, and, and burning the DVDs might still poison you. So go ahead, borrow my lighter. So she, <laughs> she is a great lady. And uh, I think that was a, the best reply you can give to book burning stupidity. Yeah, she has both the wit and a sense of humor. Yeah. yeah. Pretty good. Okay, it doesn't have much uh, to do with a sense of humor, what I'm going to talk about, but rather about how people with um, an invested interest can uh, manage to fool the the editorial boards of different uh, scientific journals and publish papers on homeopathy. And one person of that kind is uh, called Oleg Epstein, whose uh, company, O. OOO NPF Materia Medica Holding makes homeopathic products, according to RetractionWatch.com. And they discuss uh, a couple of uh, events of um, their articles uh, being retracted from, for example, Plus One, which is uh, quite uh, distinguished. And, of course, uh, another one, Antiviral Research, which is uh, one of the journals of Elsevier. The good thing about this is that I think we can start celebrating an yet another hero of skepticism and standing up for science and reason. And that man is Alexander Pachin, who works at the Russian Academy of Sciences and does research into molecular, molecular evolution. And he is the one who pointed out to several of these journals that the efficacy of homeopathic products is very, very doubtable, and there is no evidence whatsoever that they work beyond placebo. It goes on and on and on, but the thing is that um, because of the vested interest that I already talked about, Oleg Epstein's running a couple of lawsuits, two or uh, three actually, currently, two of them are about to be losing. He's losing those cases, but there is one ongoing case, the outcome of which is still unknown. Because, obviously, he tries to do what he couldn't do in the field of science. He tries to achieve that in a law court. Mm-hmm. And uh, what Pachin added is that uh, he's um, currently discussing a couple of uh, uh, these cases with editors. 
And he is about to give a talk about these cases at the 6th World Conference on Research Integrity in Hong Kong this summer. So uh, if you bump into any kind of publication based on that, give it a thought, uh, give it a good read, and let us know if you bump into it and we haven't covered it. So Alexander Pachin, well done. Please keep doing what you do. I think it's very important. Absolutely. Yeah, great. All right, the next news is from Sweden, and I'm not actually sure if it's such good news or bad news. We will see. We'll present it now, and we'll have to revisit this in the future, I believe. The government has ordered an inquiry about the CAM, complementary and alternative medicine, and it was now presented by the investigator. It is 642 pages long. So I will try to, and I haven't read all of it. I've read what I could and the summary. The whole inquiry was about how do we treat the complementary and alternative medicine in Sweden uh, as part of the healthcare or public healthcare in Sweden. There are some findings. Uh, There's one guy who's done this, basically. He says that... Only about 0.5 to 0.6% of studies concerning medicine is about CAM, complementary and alternative medicine, which he thinks is a sort of a problem because that means it's not very well researched or that much researched. And also he finds a problem in that some CAM has been implemented into public health care without any clear procedure or pattern. So it's a bit random. Something has been. I know, for instance, acupuncture is implemented or approved of or even promoted in, in public health care. And there isn't a lot of uh, science behind that. So he has a few suggestions. They sound bad, but it could be better than it sounds. Mm. <laughs> The first suggestion is to provide citizens with improved possibilities to make well-informed decisions if they consider seeking complementary or alternative care, including the safety of them. So more information to get better well-informed decisions. That's good. Well-informed decisions are good. The next thing is that complementary methods should be introduced under the same conditions as other methods. And that is good. (laughs) <laughs> because you don't want to give a fast track to complementary medicine. That's the whole debate that I had with the anthroposophic uh, movement that we mentioned earlier. He suggests that a short course on CAM is introduced in the education of several categories of healthcare professionals, and that is on the university level. The aim is that patients and healthcare professionals should be able to discuss questions on complementary and alternative care together and thus facilitate patients' possibility to make well-informed decisions. Well-informed decisions are good. He also suggests that we implement improved consumer-directed information on complementary and alternative care with focus on consumer rights. And then there is another thing. He has a a secondary task to look into um, the Patient Safety Act, but he will come back on that in May, I believe. So, okay, it seems to me that he's being very careful when he words the the findings. If you read this with a positive note, even though a lot of this sounds like good for CAM enthusiasts, it actually depends on the outcome of the suggestions. You know, well-informed decisions can work both ways. If you really get to know that it doesn't work or how bullshit it is, you would take a better uh, informed decision. If you read it pessimistically, I would say that some cam nuts, especially some of the people in parliament that I know of, (laughs) they may take this as cam should be included more. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't actually say so outright in the report. It says it should be investigated consistently and on the same grounds as any other treatment. And if you really do that, the CAM treatments will not be approved. Mm -hmm. So uh, we will see how this uh, turns out. I I think I'm not really happy with the report because it doesn't say outright that CAM is bullshit and you shouldn't use it. It tries to accommodate for people who believe in CAM. But if you really do the research, as he suggests, it will probably end up 
that we don't approve them. So. Yeah, you have to understand but that, uh, for example, from a scientific point of view, you do have to be very cautious with statements like that. So you cannot mm. generalize and say that CAM in general is bogus. It, it is totally unsubstantiated because there are a couple of things that might show some uh, signs of efficacy. And uh, for example, when it comes to homeopathy, obviously we are absolutely clear about uh, what the result is and that it's, it, it doesn't have any benefits beyond placebo. And yeah. uh, but there are there are other treatments included in this cam box uh, that that you have to take into consideration, and this is this is why basically uh, the science communicators and and uh, regulators' hands are tied when it comes to vague statements like that. So I think I think I kind of understand their point yeah. of view, but it's it's a bit annoying still. That yeah yeah. Yeah. You could be much more harsh. Yeah. We'll see how it ends up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I have to say there are some bodies and authorities and uh, prestigious uh, academies as well that are a little bit late to the parties mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to, for example, going against homeopathy and funding homeopathy, getting funds from for homeopathy within the national budget of healthcare. And this is what recently happened in French, in the French uh, healthcare system, where the Academy of Medicine and the Academy of Pharmacy, they released a joint statement that declared that homeopathic, and I quote, no homeopathic preparation should be reimbursed by insurance maladie, which is the French health insurance. That's good news. It's late, but it's good. Yeah, it is. Until the demonstration of sufficient medical benefit has been provided. I wouldn't have added that. We already know that there is no demonstration of sufficient medical benefit. But they go forward and say that no university degrees should be given to anybody on homeopathy because everything about it is against uh, pharmaceutical and medical practices that are based on science. So um, I think it's a good move. But there is a shocking piece of, um, of information in the Guardian article that uh, covers this um, topic. They found out that about 130 million euros worth of homeopathy are paid for. By, by public money? By public money. Oh, uh, every year. And that's that's estimated to be about thirty percent of the cost of of the overall homeopathic treatment. Wow, thirty percent of it, which is ridiculous. And the whole worth of medicines reimbursed in France is close to twenty billion euros a year. Mm -hmm. So it's a large chunk of it. It's a significant uh, chunk of it. I mean, not, not not a major part, but but still. It's significant. 130 million uh, euros, it's a lot of money. And uh, I came up with the idea of, of uh, checking out Boiron's numbers. Boiron being the, <laughs> the French, the Main French supplier manufacturer of, uh... and supplier of homeopathic products. Yeah. And uh, their revenue, I found a couple of uh, different numbers, but it's around 600 million euros a year. It's pretty good from producing sugar pills. Yeah, and you know what's more? If you divide that by the number of employees they claim to have, which mm -hmm. is close to 4,000 people, it comes up to a couple of hundred thousand euros per year per employee, plus a couple of hundred thousand euros per year per employee for, um, for research, production, and everything. So it means, basically, that it's ridiculously cheap what they spend on production and marketing of their products yeah. is yeah. ridiculously low. Yeah. Well, compared to any other manufacturer of medicinal products. So it's, it's also the R&D compare the R&D you have to do with a real uh, yeah, medical producer where yeah. you have to do tests and I think it takes very often 25 years or so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From and idea to you have something safe product that is working that you have proved step by step by step by step, exactly. And then you can start to sell it. 
you know, for sugar pill, what what do you it's do? It's pretty good, yeah. 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 <laughs> so, uh, yeah, well done. Those two academies, a bit late, but uh, it's better, better late Finally. than never. And uh, they coupled it with a petition signed by 124 doctors, coupled with an open letter attacking alternative medicine, including homeopathy. Yeah, good move. All right. Um, all right, I've got an update on Unicorn Flying Award 2018. Ooh, good. From our friend Diana Barbosa from Concept. There are three categories, I will remind everybody. We kind of talk about it on an annual basis, but in case, to recap. Don Quixote for the most alienated theory or affirmation, for the refusal to face the reality and for the defense of indefensible. Falling Star for the stars of television and artistic sp- uh, sporting or social world and the king goes naked or naked ki- uh, king or the king has no clothes as as, a, as one would say in english for all of us who make or contribute to the spread of dubious allegations without evidence so i will start with the falling star and the prize goes to a municipal in Sixal. <laughs> anyway there was a campaign called do not exchange our babies what or do not uh, switch our babies, I would say. And apparently there was a campaign that claimed that the um, some of the maternity wards in Portugal switched babies, the newly born babies. Uh, and um, <laughs> I don't know how it even started. I, I don't think... Well, it was based on nothing, really, because I think people... Some people who are uneducated on all matters, DNA and... Um, uh, hereditary, hereditary traits think that if two people um, with pale skin have a baby with a slightly darker hair, that means that the baby was switched at birth. I think I can see how new parents would be freaked out by information like that, especially if the baby's got a trait that they, the, the both parents don't have. But really, um, the switching baby campaign, I think, is taken a little bit too far. <laughs> mm. So this campaign has started sort of uh, mid last year. So again, I think it's it's a pretty good he- headline for a newspaper, attention grabbing headline for a newspaper. So I can see how that would sell quite well. I'm I'm becoming quite cynical about stuff like that, that because that's essentially this is all it's about nowadays. Mm-hmm. Who can write the most grabbing headline? The next of what I want to talk about is the uh, uh, the emperor has no clothes. And um, the award goes to University of Porto. Uh, they have hosted a conference on climate change in September 2018. And guess what? Mm. <laughs> it was great. Apart from the fact that a majority of speakers were climate change deniers. Oh. Hmm. Very, saying. very interesting how you do that. Uh, maybe the conference should have been called climate change denialism or something. But in any case, the organizers of this uh, conference believe that the climate friendly scientific community knows nothing about the subject and, um, w- invited a bunch of speakers who were supporting this, this view. That's, that's what this was all about. I think that's a well-deserved award. And last but not least is Don Quixote Award. Oh, I like that. This award goes to a program called Pros and Cons that brought vaccines to the discussion. As the name suggests, uh, it's a program where um, they discuss an issue and they talk about the pros and the cons of the issue. Now, it would have been fine, except the, the, it's it's not you can't put it on the same uh, pedestal as any other discussion the, the, the vaccinations should be done in order to eradicate a disease yeah the the cons is if you don't want to eradicate diseases and you want kids to die that's you know basically yeah then that's your choice but the, which is no choice at all so anyway so they they brought it to the table they discussed it and i think the fact that this this has been broadcasted uh, as a as a viable option it's a bit like saying that the creationism theory and evolution theory are on the same footing <laughs> discuss mm-hmm. completely uh, irrelevant and of course uh, once things like that happen people who like let's say had no opinion about the issue they all of a sudden acquire one and often it's not the right one so um mm-hmm. so there we go those are the three Winners 
Well, or should I say losers, really? <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. well, very good. Very I don't good. know. Yeah. Uh, we are now uh, looking forward to the next year. Or are we? I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah. I guess we. I guess we're not really, but there will be. There will be somebody <laughs> deserving of these awards. Okay. Thank you very much. Alrighty. And I believe that was all of the news items that we wanted to talk about. So uh, why don't we move on to a next segment, which is when Pontus gives us an idea of who's been really wrong lately. Well, yes, I will. And um, first you have to remember, as a preface here, that it's the hallmark of a good skeptic to be able to change their mind in view of new information. And I have come across, I think, and argued for uh, during um, many episodes that I really don't like uh, mandatory vaccination. But I'm starting to change my mind with a with what, what's happening in Ukraine and in, in also in Italy, where we are going now. We know that uh, the Italian... And where I am right now. Yeah, exactly. Beware, because people <laughs> don't vaccinate as they should over there, is what I hear. I've had all my shots, so... Uh, that's very good. Uh, very good. We also talked uh, in the past about the Italian government being host- hostile to science, and uh, yeah. we will see a new example of this here. Because not long ago, Italy implemented a law that says that unvaccinated children cannot attend nursery schools. So it's a form of mandatory vaccinations. And um, I think now, actually, that it's a good thing. But now the ruling Five Star and League Coalition has decided to muddle the whole setup, not by changing that requirement per se, but by stopping to issue the vaccination certificates for the children. So even if you still must, in theory, be vaccinated, there will now be no way for the schools to check it. So they're basically sabotaging the law by making it uh, unenforceable. Not a good idea, I think. So no. you, you you can't have a rule saying you have to show that you've been vaccinated before you attend the, the nursery school. And they say, but by <laughs> the way, we're not going to give you any chance to, to show that you're vaccinated so the school will have to take your word for it yeah yeah <laughs> it's silly i mean it, it's silly it would be silly if it wasn't so serious you we talk about measles of course a lot uh, i believe from memory that uh, the number of measles cases reported from italy last year was around close to 3000 the the tragedy is here that there was a doctor commenting on this new thing here and he said that we have just seen how the vaccination rates are beginning to pick up and then they do this to us especially with measles where you have to have a vaccination rate on 95 percent or higher to keep it in check it's so easy to fall below that vaccination rate and then you basically leave the disease to spread across society yeah. So the Italian government, for their stupid stance on vaccinations and for being anti-science in general, they get today's prize for being really wrong. Uh-huh. <laughs> Deservedly so. That means that we are almost at the end of the show. However, before we go, I'd like to ask you, Yelena, to hit us with a nice quote. Yeah, I've got one from Oscar Wilde today, who was an Irish poet and a playwright. He made an observation. The public have an insatiable curiosity to know everything except what is worth knowing. Which I find find somewhat true. (laughs) Often. (laughs) Often, not always. Yeah. 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 Good one. Very good. He he is Uh, a source of many good quotes, actually. Oscar Wilde is very quotable. That's true. He's uh, he's one of the personalities of um, the, the literature, the, the world of literature that I'd really like to meet and talk to. Yeah. And who knows? He would probably turn out to be a dick, a complete dick. I don't uh, know. Yeah. Let us know if you run into him. As yeah. luck would have it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I, w- I definitely will. Yeah. Okay. So... That means that uh, we are concluding the show right now. Thank you very much, Yelena and Pontus, for joining me this week. Thank you. Thanks, guys. It was a pleasure.
Also, uh, many thanks to our listeners for tuning in. And until next week, goodbye. Bye-bye. Пока-пока. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats to info at the ESP.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Schraub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe I have to start over. Because, again, I'm talking shit. <laughs> Fuck me. Okay. No. Punishable by death. No. No. Okay. I'll start once over. Once more over. Do you want, do you want to repeat that without the burp? <laughs> <laughs>